You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Therefore, take no thought, saying... What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, offer a caveat up front here. Uh, I've been dealing with a little bit of a head cold here in the last week or so. Uh, yeah, in, in our modern world, people still do get colds. Yeah, not everything is the Rona. Sometimes it's just a head cold. So if my voice sounds scratchy, that's why, and you'll have to forgive if I... If I give a little sniff accidentally on the microphone, you'll, I'm just going to beg your forgiveness up front. Thank you all for sharing this show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everything you do to support Legion of Michael. And right now, as I'm speaking the words into this microphone, the enrollment for the Legion of Michael distance learning program is open. Yes, it is open right now. Uh, and if you want to get in, just go to legionofmichael.com and you can sign up today for the church security program. Yes, indeed. And of course, the uh, book, Legion of Michael, uh, Protecting Houses of Worship, is available on Amazon as a paperback or a Kindle, and you can get that right now. And the link is in the show notes. One of the things that I uh, was able to do, when I get a head cold, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is pretty typical. I uh, have a really hard time focusing, a uh, hard time mentally focusing on creative endeavors. And, and in my occupation, I have to write and create, um, well, all the time. And it's a little bit difficult to, to focus on creative endeavors. So what I, what I do is typical. I watch TV or I watch movies or what I, you know, mindless stuff where you don't have to actually be participating too hard into it. But I was able to, I decided to use that time to finish a book that I started. Oh, I started this book months ago and I only got 
into the first two chapters, and then I got into a couple of other projects, and uh, I, I knew that it was important, and maybe, you know, God, maybe God allowed me to have a cold so that I would take the time to sit down and finish reading this book, because, uh, well, he, he knew that I needed to finish reading it, and I needed to talk to you about it. The book is called Ordinary Men. And not 12 Ordinary Men. That's a story about the disciples. Ordinary Men, is in the, the subtitle is Reserve Police Battalion 101 and the Final Solution in Poland. Now, without going into the entire book, I can tell you this, that the author did meticulous, painstaking research uh, to create this book. And he followed the formation and the activities of German police uh, reserve reserve police battalion number one zero one, and their mission, how they started out in the, in the beginning of the war, and how they moved them over into Poland, and how a battalion, which is roughly between four hundred and fifty and five hundred men, how a battalion of men could be responsible either immediately, directly, or facilitate the genocide of literally tens of thousands of people, of humans. Conservatively, the, uh, the records, and the, one of the reasons that we're able to, you say, well, there have been a lot of genocides in the world, Paul. The, the Germans aren't the only ones. No, the Germans are not the only ones. The, the Turks were responsible, the Russians. Stalin and under the Soviet Union was responsible for the, the death of at least 20 million of his own citizens. Mao Zedong, uh, the Communist Chinese Party, oversaw the death and the starvation death and the executions of over 40 million of their own people. And truthfully, by standard, if we if we just tallied the numbers, you're like, well, Hitler's not even in the, he's not even in the top. Why do we study the Nazis and the history of the the Final Solution so much? Um, one of the reasons is because Germans were meticulous record keepers. And after the war, when the war ended, we were able to capture, even though they attempted to destroy and cover up a lot of their crimes, we were able to capture not only records but enough people, and these people were deposed, and they were interviewed, and they were interrogated, and they were investigated, and they were able to come up with real numbers, actual dates, uh, and they kept logbooks. They kept meticulous, detailed logbooks of how many Jews or gypsies or dissidents or whatever were transferred via what train and where they went and so forth. You know, that's one of the reasons we're able to dissect it. That's one of the reasons that today we can spend time uh, investigating how something like this could happen. That not only that it did happen, but how it could happen. Now that the title "Ordinary Men" is based upon the idea, or well, it, it reinforces the notion that the people who made up Reserve Police Battalion One Hundred One were not. Hitler Youth necessarily. Some of them might have been, but most of them weren't. Most of them were middle-aged men who were not members of the Nazi party, who were not members of the SS. There were a few. There were some who were party members. There were some who were SS, but the majority of them weren't. 
the majority of them had regular jobs and, and they were plumbers. They were, you know, uh, mechanics, they were farmers, they were store clerks and so forth. And they became, well, they got into, some of them were, uh, I guess you would say conscripted, they were drafted. And then some of them joined to their own free will. Many of them joined because it was a way for them to have gainful employment during the war. Now, the author, Christopher R. Browning, goes through in great detail, specifically the years uh, 1940 through 43, and the extermination of over a million Jews and others, other undesirable persons in Poland, in the occupied country of Poland. Now, we could spend, I could, I could literally spend an entire week dissecting this book, and you say, well, that's not really a Legion of Michael thing, though, is it, Paul? I mean, how's that a Legion of Michael thing? Well, I'm going to tell you how it is. We, As a society, as a people, we like to grab a hold of phrases. When things like this, you know, the, the phrase that surrounds the Holocaust is never again. And then we had 9-11, and we adopted the phrase, never forget, right? Uh, when people, and I've talked about this before on the show, uh, when people get sick or they get cancer or whatever, you, you say, we're, you tell them, we're going to fight. I want you to fight. We're going to fight this. Okay. But how? Word, saying the words, never again. Saying the words, never forget. Oh, that's nice. We could put it on bumper stickers and T-shirts and all that. But how do we make sure that it never happens again? Nobody ever says how. Nobody ever says, oh, never again. That's right, never again. Okay, and then someone else raises their hand and uh, and they say, well, what exactly are we going to do? to make sure that this never happens again. Because just saying the words doesn't make it so. In the very, at the very end of the book, uh, Ordinary Men, after uh, the author has gone through the details of, of the activities of the, these policemen, these 450 to 500 German police officers in Poland, and what they did and the atrocities they committed against the people. Like I said, these weren't all brainwashed. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, all the, the killing was done by the, the SS and the Gestapo. And, and, you know, we have this image of these skeletonized men in black uniforms, you know, with the great big Totenkopf death's head on there. And we imagine that they were raised from the time they were 12 or 13 in the Hitler youth, and they were hardcore Nazis. But that's not who these men were. And the author examines that in great detail, and that's the scary thing is it would be easy if all of these men who were involved in, in the genocide were hardcore, you know, Nazi zombies. You know, that what we imagine as the as the little rim horn or the the wire rim glasses Himmler guy, you know, a bunch of little mini Hitlers running around, but they weren't. 
Now, not all of them actually participated. Some of them protested. Some of them found other things to do when the murdering was going on. Some of them, uh, you know, fired wildly so that they didn't hit their, their targets. But only between 10 and 20% refused to or were lackadaisical or attempted to get out of the murders, the massacres, the genocide. And Mr. Browning, he says, so why did most men of the Reserve Police Battalion become killers? They weren't hardcore Nazis. They, they weren't, you know, the, the, the top 1%. They were regular people who had regular jobs. They lived in Hamburg. Most of them came from Hamburg. And Hamburg was notoriously a, uh, it was not a Nazi stronghold. It was very pro-labor. Um, matter of fact, that there were some you know suggestions that they were more they leaned more towards the unionist and 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 Bolshevik than uh, towards national socialism. So, and a lot of them were in their thirties, some in their early forties. How did you convince? The, and many of them were actually also World War One veterans, not all, but some. So, how did you convince these guys to? spend basically the entire the 1942 and 1943 exterminating either directly by murdering them, shooting them outright, or forcing them onto trains to the death camps where they knew absolutely at the end of the line they were going to die. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. How do you do that? How do you convince ordinary men to become killers? A number of explanations, and this I'm reading from the book, it says a number of explanations have been invoked in the past to explain such behavior. Wartime brutalization. Racism segmentation and routinization of the task. That means the more you do it, the more used to it you get. Special selection of the perpetrators. that They, they handpicked people that they knew were going to be murderers and killers and psychopaths. Careerism. Obedience to orders and deference to authority. Ideological indoctrination and conformity. And after the opening uh, paragraph, the author goes in and he talks about each of these in detail. You know, the racism thing and the segmentation and the deference to authority and the obedience to orders and careerism. And when he says careerism is basically... Uh, well, this is my job, and if I don't do it, then I'll lose my job, and then I won't have money and to feed my family and you know, pay the mortgage and buy the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, so I better do what I'm told. Deference to authority. 
That means blind obedience to whoever happens to be placed in authority over you. I'd like to talk about some of these. The careerism, and this is something that many people have talked about when it comes to how do you get citizens to turn on other citizens? How do you get, and you know, this, we're talking about Poland here, but in, in, within the, the borders of Germany, there were German citizens who turned on and betrayed other German citizens. There were German citizens who, who forced other German citizens onto trucks and trains and, and sent them away to their doom. How do you convince neighbors to turn on other neighbors? How do you convince the local policeman, the guy who lives across the street, who's a police officer, how do you convince that guy to take the undesi- the, the people that the state has de- determined to be undesirable or unreliable or dangerous or radical, how do you convince that policeman to put those people in a special camp? And in the gravest extreme, how do you... Per- how do you convince your neighbor who's a cop across the street, how do you convince him to be part of a group that takes people to a death camp? Because that's exactly what happened. You know, these people weren't robots. They weren't aliens. The people who rounded up the Jews who went through the ghettos and shot the people who couldn't get up, couldn't get out of their beds, so they just killed them right there. How do you convince that guy? Because that guy... He's got a wife, and he's got two or three kids back in Hamburg. Maybe he's got four kids back in Hamburg. Before the war, you know, he was a candle maker, or he was a, he worked on a farm or whatever. How do you convince that guy, you know, Johan or Carl or Hans, the guy that you would wave at in 1939 when you'd walk out your door and you'd see him on the streets in Hamburg, you'd wave to Hans. How do you convince Hans to, uh, who's joins, he's in the part of the Reserve Police Battalion, and in two years, he's putting women on their face and shooting them in the back of the head with a rifle. How do you do that? And that's something that everyone who is a rational thinking person in the world needs to needs to understand. We need to study this. We need to consider it. We need to look at it. And, and the sad thing about the book is he goes through all those different things, the, the careerism. Well, it's my job, and, and if I don't do what I'm told, they told they whoever they happen to be, the, the, the mythical they told me I have to do that. And so if I don't do it, well, I'll lose my job. And then, then where am I going to be? Or they'll put me on a list and I won't be able to get another job. Oh, well, can't do that. I mean, I can't put my family, you know, I can't put my family's welfare at risk, so I'm just going to do what I'm told. Deference to authority, the blind obedience to orders. Well, I was told. Therefore, I don't I, I I'm relieved of moral responsibility. Of course, he goes into the book and he talks about the numerous trials that took place after the war and how every person who stood up and said I'm not responsible for the genocide uh, because I was just doing what I was told, pretty much every one of them ended up on the end of a rope. They did not accept that excuse. Because they said the the moral wrong of losing your job or being embarrassed or whatever does is does not come close to or the the inconvenience of losing a job 
or being fired or being punished somehow. And they said, even if, if they refused and were, and were put in jail, what's worse being in jail or being killed, being embarrassed, being scolded, losing your job. Well, you didn't want to lose your job. So I can see why you murdered all those people. What does this all come down to? It all comes down to man's lack of faith and their desire to, well, worship the things of man. The very beginning we start, said, Therefore, take no thought, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye need all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And there's another uh, parable or verse where Jesus says, Consider the lilies of the field, consider the sparrows, how they neither reap nor they sow, and sow nor they reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and not one of them falls to the ground without his notice. We're constantly reminded throughout the Bible by the prophets, by Solomon, by David, by Jesus himself to put the things of God ahead of the things of man, to put our troubles in God's hands first, not to worship money. Yes, everyone has to have money. God understands that we have to have money. He understands that we have to pay the rent, pay the mortgage, pay the electric bill. He understands that. But he also said, Christ said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number one, and all these things shall be added unto you. We've talked many times on this show about deference to authority and who are we supposed to obey first. You know, there's those who uh, try and shut us up. Remember, we, we had the lesson about the, the, the anti-Christians the secularists are like, are oh, you Christians? It says in your Bible, you know, that Jesus looked at the coin and said, render under Caesar. That means you have to do everything you're told. That means if the men of the world tell you to do something, you have to do it. The men of the world told the men of the reserve police battalion 101 to go into the villages, round up all the Jews, walk them out into the woods and shoot them. We're supposed to just blindly obey supposed to do that because we were ordered to because man told us to do it who comes first who comes first in your life do you seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness or do you seek first money and riches and status one of the other things that they said in the, uh, uh, is the socialization and the fear of being shamed in front of one's peers and conformity. Well, everyone else is doing it. There's a hundred of us, and we've all been ordered to do it, and if I don't do it, well, then I'll stand out. And everyone will look at me like I'm weak or cowardly. So... I'll just go along because it's not just me all by myself. I mean, there's 99 other people doing it. There's a hundred other people, 200 other people, 300, whatever. 
conformity, socialization, the desire to obey. All of these things come from a failure to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. It's hard. It's hard to stand out. It's hard to say no when everybody else says yes. It's hard to be that guy. We all know this. We were all in elementary school and junior high and high school. Nobody wants to be the outcast. Everybody wants to be part of the clique, part of the group, or at very least not noticed and blend in with the crowd. But certainly nobody wants to stand out. But is that our path as Christians? Is our path as Christians to hide, to blend in with the background, to just kind of float along? Is that what Christ calls on us to do? He says, well, you know, go ahead, and, and when, the, when the world is, is doing evil, just hang out in the background and try not to get involved. And if you have to get involved, you know, just drag your feet as you're doing it. But don't speak out against them, because if you do, then they'll shun you. Then they won't like you. You might lose your job. They might put you on a list of undesirable people. You don't want that. At the end of the day, we have to answer to God our Father. And he's going to look at us. And what's he's either going to say? He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or he's going to cast us out. There's, when it comes to ordinary men doing horrible, monstrous, terrible things, all these reasons that psychologists, psychologists, they, they spend you know, years, months, years, they write thousands and tens of thousands of words talking about human psychology and how do you get, you know, they're in, in the book, um, the author talks about these, all these different studies that were conducted by scientists trying, you know, trying to manipulate men into, you know, doing what they were told. Not one time in all of these studies, does anyone ever bring up faith? Well, because Christians are just this weird offshoot, weird, a bunch of weirdos. That has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with it. Blind obedience to authority. Who is your ultimate authority and to whom do you answer? Are you supposed to conform are you supposed to shut your mouth and just do what you're told? Are you supposed to worry that if you fail to conform, if, if I fail to, if I don't do what I'm told, I'm going to lose my job and, and God doesn't want me to lose my job. No, what did he say first? Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. He didn't say, well, focus on the money, focus on the stuff, focus on getting things, do whatever you have to, to make money and get the job you want. Do that first. Then after you've taken care of that, then you can come and check in with me. No, that's not what he said. When Christ sent his disciples out on their own to minister, he said about with nothing. He said, don't take a bag. Don't even take two cloaks. Everything will be provided for you, for your heavenly Father knows what you need. 
ladies and gentlemen, I highly suggest that if you're in my audience that you go ahead and pick up the book Ordinary Men, that you read it, that you encourage your children to read it, because quite frankly, I know it's stereotypical or, or it's cliche, but those who fail to understand history are doomed to repeat it. We need to understand that it happened. We can't pretend that it didn't happen. And saying never again or never forget is not enough. You say, oh, never again. Okay. How are we going to make sure it never happens again? Through bumper stickers and T-shirts or by understanding? And as a Christian, the only way that you can say never again, never forget is to understand where your priorities lie. And they're not here on this earth, and they're not with the things of man. It's not easy. Nobody ever said being a Christian was going to be easy. You know what's being easy? What's easy? Sinfulness. The ways of the world, that's easy. But your Heavenly Father expects more from you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my voice is just about done. (laughs) We're going to close this up with a warrior's prayer. Lord, I come before you seeking the strength and skill to overcome my enemies. Grant me, I pray, the wisdom to recognize evil, the courage to confront it, and the strength to destroy it. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money.